help me give God glory, give God praise. I think you can do better. You can do better. Give God praise. Give God praise. When I see what is going on here, it shows how well y'all are doing. When I say y'all, I'm trying my best, you know, <laughs> to speak like you guys. Yeah, y'all. <laughs> you guys are doing amazing. I didn't come alone today. I came with my wife, like Pastor Abdiya said. Lady Precious Magdalene Rapway, please give it up for her. Give <laughs> of God. She's very anointed, and she helps me look handsome. If you see this cat, she did it. Give it up for her. And I want to thank God for a man as well, Pastor Joe Centenario. Please give it up for Pastor Joe Centenario. Great father, was a great blessing, and always a great blessing to me and my family. I thank, thank you. Really appreciate you. Hallelujah. When Pastor Mac called me and he said, hey, you are speaking here, and he gave me the scriptures, I'm like, this scripture is one kind of a scripture. And so do you know what I did? I said, before I preach this scripture, I will give you a disclaimer. So this is the disclaimer. So you don't stone me after the service. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 
This one is not on the screen. It says, all scriptures is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. This is my disclaimer. So when you hear God's word this morning, remember I gave you a disclaimer. So everything you hear is from God's word. So with this disclaimer, I can start my message. So you don't persecute me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Father, we give you glory for this morning. We give you all the praise. We are grateful for the gift of life. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Father, we are glad we are here. We ask that let your spirit have its way. Like Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Let your word come to us as spirit and let your word come to us as life. Let your glory be revealed. Decrease me, but let your spirit increase in me. In the name of Jesus. And the saints shall shout a big amen. amen. One day, the disciples were with Jesus in a boat. And there was a strong wind that was about to sink the boat. And Jesus was sleeping. So they called Jesus and they said, Master, don't you care? And Jesus woke up and rebuked the wind and the storm. And everything became still and calm. The disciples asked themselves, what manner of man is this? They have been with him for some time. They have known him for some time. But at this point, they were amazed by what he did. A human being could command the storm to be still. And the Bible said, the storm obeyed him. And they said, what manner of man is this? Jesus was with them another time. And he told them, he said, what you see me do, you will do even more. He became an example for the disciples to follow. And after the disciples, they became an example for me and you as believers to follow. So Paul the apostle said this very significant statement. In Philippians 3.10. Philippians 3, verse 10. My message is entitled, That I May Know Him. That I May Know Jesus. Paul said, That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, being conformed to His death. My emphasis is, is on that I may know him and the power 
of his resurrection. In other words, Paul is saying that I may know Jesus and the power that comes along with him. That I may know Jesus, not only get to know him, but know him to be able to experience the power that comes along with Jesus. Jesus broke every protocol you can ever think of. Anytime someone dies and he or she is resurrected by someone else, but in the case of Jesus, he died for three days, he was buried, and he rose up all by himself. He conquered death because he had power over death. He conquered hell and its host because he had power over hell. What manner of man is this? Paul said that I may know him. The more you know Jesus, the more you come to a place to walk in his divine nature. In the case of Peter, he spoke about some things to all believers. And I'm going to talk about that with Peter. And that is a scripture that Apostle Mary gave to me in 2 Peter. But before I speak about 2 Peter, Acts chapter 4, verse number 13. The Bible says that John and Peter were going to the synagogue and they got to the beautiful gate. And when they got there, they saw a man who was begging for arms. They looked straight into the eyes of the man and they said, silver and gold we do not have, but we give to you what we have. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the Bible said, the man began to leap and began to walk. And the people that saw the man were amazed. They were astonished. The Bible said, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they have been with Jesus. It came to their understanding that they have been with the man who was more than capable of doing anything. They have been with Jesus. They were uneducated. They were untrained. But they have been with Jesus. I know you will ask me, who is Emmanuel? Where does he come from? What is his background? What is his qualification? I have been with Jesus. How come you got the opportunity to speak here? Because I have been with Jesus. And I know some of you can relate with me. How God delivered you and brought you to this point in life where you find yourself saved, delivered, and held by God 
You just can't explain it. All you can say is that I have been with Jesus. How God healed you from that deadly disease and how God came through for you. You have no explanation. All you can say is that you have been with Jesus. They have been with Jesus. I have been with Jesus. I know some of you have been with Jesus. So you don't have any explanation. You don't have a way of saying it. All you can say is that I have been with Jesus. They were able to do what they did. And the people were amazed by it because they have been with Jesus. And so with this experience by Peter, Peter said, as believers, you need to have these qualities to be able to walk in the divine nature of God. And that brings me to my main scripture for today. In 2 Peter, chapter number 1, verse number 1. The Bible says, Simon Peter, a born servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. In the knowledge of God, and of Jesus our Lord. Let me repeat that. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to this life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. That through this the knowledge of Christ me and you can be partakers of his divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The more you know Jesus, the more you get access to his divine nature. And Peter was an example, untrained, uneducated, but yet he walked in the divine nature of Jesus because he had been with Jesus. Verse 5, he mentions the seven qualities that we need to walk with and walk by. But also for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. I want to take my time and talk about one, each and every one of them. He said to walk in the divine nature of our Lord Jesus, 
as believers, we should add to our faith. Add to your belief in God, add to it, virtue. Virtue is goodness. It is explained that it is the quality of being morally good or having moral excellence. Today in America, morality has disappeared. And it has crept its way into the church. And it's becoming normal. But Peter is saying, for you to work in divine nature, you need to have moral excellence. It's amazing how we've come to a place where you will see a couple, forget about the world. Let the world be the world. Because morality has gone haywire to the point whereby they said a man can be with a man and a woman can be with a woman. It's a shame, but that is the world. But when we come to church, if we want to walk in divine nature, we need to obey scriptures. You will see a couple, they live together as if they are husbands and wife. And they do everything they have to do together. And nobody has any problem with it. Moral excellence. You can make it right. Remember my disclaimer? Yes, sir. To work in divine nature, you have to stop some things as a believer. Because when we don't work in divine nature, as believers, we become like the uncommon person who is not a believer. The same thing that happens to the unbeliever will happen to you because you are not working in divine nature. Let's live, according to Peter, an excellent moral life. Do you agree with me? No, do you agree with Peter? That's right. <laughs> Number two, he said knowledge. Knowledge is to acquire information or receive insight and understanding. Be intentional to study God's word. The Bible is the most powerful book in the whole world. Let me repeat it for free. <laughs> Without any apology and by authority, I stand inauthentic and I say, the Bible is the most powerful book in the whole world. Right. If you take your time to study and live by the word of God, your life will not be the same. I know what I'm saying. 
If I stand here today and I speak to amazing people like you, powerful people like you, blessed people like you, educated people like you, some with PhD, some with masters, someone like me stand here, then believe me, once upon a time, a teacher in my high school looked at me and he said, you are good for nothing. You will be an armed robber. I was very notorious. My aim was to become a boxer and to have seven girlfriends <laughs> and 15 children. I fight anybody and everybody at all. And he looked at me in a class and he said, you, you will be an armed robber. He prophesied doom. A classmate of mine looked at me and said, how did you come to this school? Because you are unqualified. You are not qualified. How did you get here? I said, my father paid money to the administrators and he allowed me to come here. This is Ghana. Very corrupt. I wasn't qualified. I was the least among the least. Anytime we write an examination, my aim is to be able, if we are 45 in class, my aim is to get 44. So I'll not be the last person. At least I know there's someone behind me. <laughs> that was my aim. That was my objective. Until I got saved. When I got saved and I took the scriptures and I studied the scriptures, God began to restore me. God began to change my life. God began to turn things around for me. Today I am here and I'm preaching to someone like you. When I say someone like you, I'm saying that you are so amazing, you are so powerful, you are so intelligent, you are so great that God brought me to speak to you. So believe me when I say this is the most powerful book in the whole world. It changed me. Study it. You'll be surprised the kind of things that God will use you to do. Number three, self-control. <laughs> Peter said it. He said to work in divine nature, you need to have self-control control. You'll be amazed. Some believers will find themselves in a situation and they'll say, if not for the fact that I am born again, I would have shown you my true colors. <laughs> God have mercy. You don't have to show any true colors. You are saved, washed by the blood. Self-control. I spoke to another believer and she said that I love horror movies. I said, what? <laughs> horror movies? I don't see what I said. <laughs> Self-control is the ability to control oneself in particular one's emotions and desires of the impression of them in one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. Self-control. 
self-control. To work in divine nature, you need to have self-control. Yeah. Number four, perseverance. Perseverance means being persistent despite the difficulties or delays we face. One great man who has an example like this is Job. Job. The Bible said he lost everything and his own wife came to him and said, curse God and die. And he called her a foolish woman. The guy was in pain, was hurt, was bruised, but yet he kept going and kept believing. He made complaints, but his faith in God did not wither. He persevered to the end. And at the end, God rewarded him. The Bible says that God gave him more than he used to have. When you persevere, and you go through the challenges full of faith and belief and trust in God. God will restore you. God will restore you. God will restore you. Perseverance. It is hard, I know. I, I know it is hard. I have been there before. I am not a superman. I have prayed. I have prayed. There was a situation where I was trusting God for something. I prayed and prayed, prayed for hours, fasted for months. Yes, I fasted for months. You'll be surprised. I'm not boasting, but I fasted from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. throughout the week for one year. Yeah. My wife is a witness. From August 2016 to September 2017. It wasn't easy. What was I looking for? God, use me. That was all I was saying. Use me. I'm nobody. Use me. I nearly became emotional. I'm not really emotional. I prayed and cried and prayed and cried. There was no answer. Prayed and cried. Fasted and cried. There was no answer. I said, God, why? There was no answer. When the master is silent, there is a reason. When God is silent, there is a reason. Because in class, when the teacher is teaching, it's very loud and clear. But when you get to the point to write your test and examination, the teacher will be in the class, but he is silent. You can't ask him any question because you are going through your time of test. You need to persevere in the time of test. The master will be silent. The master will not respond. The master will not come through for you. Because it is your time of test. Your faith must be proved. Persevere. Tell somebody, persevere. persevere. 
Number five. Godliness. It is a life that you live that pleases only God. Whatever you do, whatever decision you take, whatever move you make, you have in your conscious mind that it pleases God. When you do that, then you are living a life of godliness. Everything you do, no matter what it is, no matter how small it is, you have a conscious mindset that God is pleased with it. So when you live your life, when you work in the office, when you relate with your spouse, you have to understand or have that conscious mind that God is pleased with it. When you do that, you will walk in divine nature. Peter said it. Number six, brotherly kindness or mutual affection is to be friendly, generous, and considerate. Show love. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. For you to be friendly to someone else, for you to be generous to someone else, and for you to show consideration to someone else. One man I know that I believe has this quality is Chris Centenario. Yeah, it's true because I know him. If you want to know him, just get to know him. You will know what I'm talking about. This is self-explanatory. I don't have to talk about it. Just be nice be generous, and be considerate to someone else. Number seven, love. Compassionate. The Bible says that when Jesus saw the people and their affliction, he had compassion over them, and he healed them all. The kind of love that Jesus Christ had for the people made him heal all of them. When you have love in your heart, when you love God and you love humanity, I do what I'm doing today because of the love I have for God. It is true about me. It is not because of the love I have for any human being. It is because of the love I have for God. When you love God, God will put in your heart to love your neighbor. The love you show the unconditional love, the agape love you show, when you do it genuinely, without any strings attached, without whatever you will benefit from, without what you think you can have at the end, when you do it genuinely, Peter said, you will walk in divine nature. When I talk about divine nature and the place to know Christ, I'm talking about the life that is not ordinary. We are not supposed to live an ordinary life as believers. No. We are not supposed to be like anybody else. There must be a clear difference between the believer and the unbeliever. Even in your office. You should be able to see a colleague in the office 
who is not feeling well, then you lay your hands on the colleague and instantly he or she is healed. And they'll say, how did you do it? You'll tell them, it's Jesus. That is the divine nature. You should be able to speak into someone's life and into your own life and for the thing to come to pass. You will say, well, you are talking about Peter and the Bible. I'm an authentic where miracles happen. So you know what I'm talking about. In November, I was here. November, December. And then a, a pastor friend in Ghana sent me a message. He said, I have been admitted for the past four days in the hospital. And because it was an emergency, my family rushed me to this particular hospital. And he said, it was so expensive, or it is so expensive that I can't afford to pay. And the bills are in, and it is $1,600,006 converted to dollars. He mentioned that money in our currency. I said, I just go here. I don't have money. I just started my visa process. And I'm even believing God for money. And I said, but God will bring you someone that will pay everything for you to his glory. The following day, he sent me a voice message. He said, man of God, you won't believe this. I said, I believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said, I was in the same ward or room with another patient who was discharged a day before I got my bills and we exchanged contact. He called me and he asked me if I've been discharged and I said no and that I'm believing God for my bills. And he said, I will take care of it. He said, the guy paid everything instantly. He said, I don't believe this. I said, I believe. When you speak, you should be able to see answers. I can, give, I can talk about so many instances that I've experienced. It. I'm not a superman. I try my best to, to obey Peter. You remember, my best. The same way, you don't have to be a superwoman or a superman. Try your best to live with these virtues. I remember very well, I don't know when I, whether it was here that I spoke about my wife, but she's here. If I'm lying, I give her the opportunity to come and take the microphone and say, it is not true. <laughs> she was in college and she was about to write her examination. And their schedule was so packed. She was writing a paper on a Monday, on a Tuesday, escaped Wednesday, paper on Thursday, paper on Friday, and paper on Saturday. And she said, this is not usual. He doesn't know why these particular lecturers have decided to do that. She was frustrated. It's like, who does this? I said, give me the schedule. I took the schedule. This was years back. 
And I said, you will write paper on Monday. They will move one to Thursday. They will move the next one the following week to Tuesday. They will move the next one to Thursday. And in the space of two to three weeks, everything will be rearranged. She looked at me as if I was stupid. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I did not see any vision. God did not speak to me. I just said it. She went back to campus and she went to the board and exactly what I said has been moved exactly. She said, what? How did you know? I said, I didn't know. I just said it. There is something about you and me. The Bible said when God created human beings, he created man in his own image and in his own likeness. Me and you, we are still in the image of God. But the question is, are we in the likeness of God now? Because the likeness of God moves mountains. And that was the example that Jesus came to set for me and you to follow. So Peter, by his experience, he said, by my experiences, these are the seven qualities that will help you to walk in divine nature. Verse 8 of 2 Peter, chapter number 1. For if these things are yours and abound... You will, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. For he who lacks these things, when talking about he, he's talking about he and she. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Peter was very direct. He said, if you lack these things, you will be unfruitful as a believer. You wonder why just any sickness could just hit you. That's the reason. You wonder why life is beating you back and forth. And you ask yourself, why is God allowing this all the time since I was born? Because of this. He said, you will be unfruitful to the point that you will even be blind. And you will forget that you have been saved from your old sin. Because to you, you are just like the ordinary person. You don't see any difference. And he's saying, for you to see the difference, to walk in divine nature, these are the seven things. I believe that God is raising a new generation who will go to the extreme to obey God. Because now the world is becoming very extreme. They are going to the point where they want to put God aside and let man rule. But God is raising a new generation, me and you, that will say yes to Jesus, yes to morals, yes to the will of God, that will stand firm and put the devil in his right place. Hey! Put the enemy in his right place. Who will stand tall. We will stand for holiness. We will stand for righteousness. In the last days. And we are in the last days. Hallelujah, we are. 
God will pour out his spirit to them that will obey. God will pour out his spirit to them that will open up. God will pour out his spirit and he will use his own. He will use men and women that will say, Lord, I am available. Our generation, we won't give up. We won't give up. I believe and I pray that you will not give up. If you have a son who is a teenager or a young adult, pray that God raise him. Do you know why? Because the next 20 years, where the world will come to, you will be amazed. You will ask, where is God? But yet, in between that, there will still be the Daniels, the Meshach, the Abednego, that will stand for God. That will not be moved by what the world is saying. But will stand tall to make a difference. In the last days, God will pour out his spirit. Young men and women will prophesy. They will see visions. They will dream dreams. The old men too will dream dreams just to help their young men. They will dream dreams just to help their young men. <laughs> but the young men and the young women will speak the truth to power and will stand tall. Shall we be on our feet? I believe God is raising a new generation. God is raising a new kind of people. God is bringing people up that will stand tall, that will do the will of the Father, that will speak the truth. That will live for God and God alone. If you want to receive something from God today based on what you've heard and you are young, let me talk to the young people. I'm sorry if you are a little old. Not too old, a little old. I need you, the old people, pray for us. Because I spoke to, I spoke to a man on Monday when I was here. I see you, man. when I was here, this is what he said. He said the America we knew yesterday is not the America today. I, mean, I don't know the America of yesterday. He's in his 50s. I met him here, right here. And I understood that the America he knew was built on the foundation of God. But today, America have put God aside and have placed man and exalted man. But God is raising a new generation. God is raising his own. Like Elijah, God will say that I have 700 more that are still hiding, that have been bowed their knees to bow.
want to see the Holy Spirit move in your life.